Previously on At The Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Chaney, and Lou Katz. Would anyone like to discuss Rhonda Fleming? <laughs> Does anybody even know who Rhonda Fleming is? I did not. I saw your note and I'm like, okay, I'll let him handle that. At The Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Chaney, and Lou Katz begins now. Welcome to the podcast that keeps you informed on the ever-changing world of entertainment. Please welcome from Vulture and WTOP Radio, the former home renovator queen for 2019. <laughs> you know her, you love her. She's outdoors. It's Jen Chaney. Hello from the great wild. <laughs> I hear you're working for the Home and Gardens channel now. <laughs> no, just having a bathroom renovated. <laughs> At the least stressful time possible. <laughs> but of course. And now, the man who proves that old critics never die. They just keep on talking and talking. Let's bring on Arch Campbell. Happy to be here, and always happy to talk with Jen Cheney, and uh, happy Halloween, as if uh, there isn't enough stuff already going on. And this is the part of the program where we always begin with Jen Cheney telling us what's new this week. It's, it's a never-ending, open-ended question. What's new? So I've got three new things for you this week. Uh, the mm. first one is City So Real. This is a five-part mm -hmm. docuseries that's airing on Nat Geo, and then it's also going to be available on Hulu from Steve James, who did Hoop Dreams, among other things. And it's oh, yeah. a look at the city of Chicago, starting from, I believe, the mayoral race in 2019 up through the present. And honestly, I've been meaning to watch this. I haven't gotten to it yet, but some of my colleagues have watched it and said it's terrific. Steve James always does great stuff, so I right. have no doubt yeah. that that's the case. So something to absolutely put on your radar. He loves the city of Chicago. And, you know, it's come through in all of his work, especially Hoop Dreams. And so uh, that's certainly recommended this. Yes, absolutely. And another thing to recommend, although, well, I, I haven't seen it because they won't give us screeners, but uh, season two of The Mandalorian debuts on Friday on Disney+. Plus. Uh, this is the very popular Star Wars offshoot, uh, first live action Star Wars series, the series that is responsible for bringing baby Yoda to the masses. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens in season two. Sir, are you a fan? Seriously? Because I'm just, I'm sick and tired of Star Wars. And um, Star I Wars do offshoots. like the series. Yeah, I do. Do I you? Do. I, I, I mean, I think they overdid it by putting out a movie every year um, for, yeah. for a while there. But um, the series I actually really like. I mean, you don't like like baby Yoda who doesn't like baby Yoda well <laughs> I don't think I don't think I'm the baby Yoda demographic <laughs> the baby Yoda demographic is everyone is everyone it? with a heart <laughs> <laughs> well as I said <laughs> <laughs> that's not me <laughs> maybe not <laughs> all right for people without a heart the, the third thing I can tell you about which is actually perfect for Halloween weekend is the series called truth seekers um yeah. this is uh um, starring Nick Frost and Simon Pegg, and they're among the producers of it. They did Shaun of the Dead and a number of other films together. And Nick Frost plays like a broadband and cable uh, installer, but he's also on the side. He has a YouTube channel where he like tracks down paranormal activity. So whenever he goes oh. to help someone with their cable, he's always looking around, are there ghosts here? What's the deal? And so... <laughs> 
it's a comedy, but it actually does have some pretty scary stuff in it. And it's kind of um, structured like a, a procedural, except a, it's a paranormal procedural. Mm. I've just started watching it and it's really fun. So if you're looking for something that's perfect for Halloween, that might be the thing. And who's carrying this? Where is Truth Seekers? Oh, I'm sorry. That's an important thing to talk about. It's on Amazon. Oh, yeah. We like Amazon Prime. That's for sure. I've been anxious to talk to you all week because uh, on your recommendation and on Rocky Haddadi's recommendation i watched the first episode of the undoing mm -hmm. did you watch it and what did you think i have watched all the first four the only thing i oh haven't my. seen yet is the finale so yes i definitely watched it uh i was uh knocked off the couch <laughs> really by you know um uh, Nicole Kidman meets a young woman uh, at a school uh, fundraiser, and the young woman uh, is uh, a scholarship recipient for her child, and she's odd. She's an odd person, and they have one of the most. They have one of the shocking scenes of the season, where they meet up in a locker room, and it's not it's not the normal locker room kind of of uh, encounter. It's 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 very odd. And so I was, uh, what's the word I want to use? Well, I'm certainly hooked. You, mm -hmm. you warned me that every week they would throw something at you. And then, of course, they throw a cliffhanger in. It's it's like a Saturday morning cereal, only quite adult. Mm -hmm. yeah, Are you the, a fan? The, I am. I, I don't think it's as good as the first season of Big Little Lies, you know, because no. I think that's the comparison people are making because David E. Kelly wrote this and Nicole Kidman is in it. But it's certainly an absorbing thriller. Like you said, you after at the end of every episode, you want to immediately watch the next one. And mm -hmm. I love the sense of atmosphere in it. Like it just, it, you feel like it's January in New York when you watch it. I, I said in my review, you want to watch it underneath a blanket while drinking hot tea because it's so <laughs> chilly looking. Um, but it also looks like New York, you know, the New York we think of pre-pandemic, which is, you know, when they shot it, they shot it last year. Uh, I think David E. Kelly has been waiting all his life to stage that locker room scene. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it's not, you know, he, ne he never could have done it on broadcast television. And uh, he's always pushed things. And uh, and I read an analysis of it that the uh, the young woman, she's an Italian actress. Mm -hmm. And uh, and she's uh, in this world of, of uber wealthy one percenters. And the only way for her to uh, compete is uh, rather than uh, sheathing herself in uh, the most expensive clothing to completely uh, shed herself of of everything mm -hmm. I that's thought interesting that was, yeah i thought there was an interesting take on it and anyway i'm i'm hooked i'm watching it i like it i you know i'm trying to watch fargo and fargo is like work now it's it's too too dense there's too much stuff going on but this uh, is striking the right note Did you watch the Borat's uh, sequel? And of course, how much of that is out on the uh, on the internet now? I mean, how much uh, do we have to avoid not spoiling? I don't think we have to avoid spoiling anything. <laughs> a lot yeah. of it's already out there. It was already yeah. out there before the movie even dropped on uh, Amazon. Um, but yes, I did watch it. I watched it last Friday night. Uh, you know, I real I wanted to see it because I loved the original one. I I'm gonna surprise you and say I I'm a little bit 
disappointed, although there are two or three uh, fall-off-the-couch moments, and certainly the, uh, the final encounter with Rudy Giuliani is <laughs> something people will be talking about the rest of the season. Shall we have a drink in the bedroom? There you go, my dear. Okay. You can give me your phone number and your address. Uh, but it just seemed like an extended version of his show where he punks people, and, uh, and I thought it was fine, and I think the young actress that he introduces is very funny. Uh, but I didn't think it was the greatest thing I've ever seen. How about you? Uh, I wouldn't say it's the greatest thing I've ever seen, no. but I think that Sasha Baron Cohen is doing what he always does, which is it's not just punking for punk's sake. He's really exposing um, right. what people will do and say and reveal about themselves, which frankly, the past four years has done without his help. Um, but now <laughs> now he is, he's, he's doing that. Like I thought it was really fascinating. And who knows how much of this is legitimate or not. But yeah, you know, his whole his whole um, experience of living with those QAnon guys who are talking about Hillary Clinton drinking baby's blood, and then he shows them this text that you know he, he has passed on to his daughter about women, which I won't go into too much into detail. But um, it, it's it's nutty stuff, and they immediately recognize it as such. They're like, no, this is not correct. But but the stuff that they were saying, which sounded just as crazy to them you know, seemed legitimate. So it was really this kind of interesting look at, you know, what people are willing to believe and, and what they can see in others, but they can't see in themselves. So you saw a little more depth to it, uh, maybe than I did. A, a little bit, yeah. I mean, obviously yeah. there's stuff that's just, you know, silly for silly's sake. And there's some stuff that makes me a little uncomfortable, like the, the stuff with Fauci at the very end, um, which I know is, again, revealing something, but made me cringe a little bit. Um, um, and I did question uh, the uh, innocence of some of the people uh, involved. I, I do wonder about that. I, I happen to, to know a guy who was in the first movie, the guy who was the humor expert, Pat Haggerty. Uh -huh. And I've talked to him at length about being in the Borat movie. And uh, he has some interesting things to say about uh, uh, the kind of forms you have to um, sign and uh, the way they prep you for it. And, uh, and you know, and if you remember the first encounter, he's the guy with the not joke explaining it. Mm -hmm. He probably it was the least uh, wounded of anyone in the uh, film. Mm -hmm. But but I do have a question about just how uh, uh, how unscripted it is. But anyway, I, I it's out there and it certainly has uh, hit the uh, uh, the culture. I it, it does amaze me what a great actor uh, Sasha Baron Cohen one is and it brings mm -hmm. me back to the trial of the Chicago 7 right now when anybody asks me what to watch I tell them the trial of the Chicago 7 mm -hmm. that to me yeah. is the best now you didn't mention Rebecca were you interested in Rebecca at all on HBO it's on, um, it's on Netflix I think uh, 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 I, yeah, have not, I have not seen, seen it I have heard it's horrendous as you can imagine, I'm a huge fan of the original from 1940 with sure. uh, Sir Lawrence Olivier and um, uh, Joan Fontaine and Dame Judith Anderson is Mrs. Danvers in the in and oh, I dreamed we went to Manderley last night. Last night, I dreamt I went to Manderley again. I like Lily James, who plays uh, the young woman who marries the wealthy um, 
uh, Squire of Manderley, played by Army Hammer. Uh, there's just there's a there's a uh, there's a spark missing in the whole thing. They try to Downton Abbey it up, yeah. Uh, I think to uh, appeal to that uh, category. I think they did it so Kristen Scott Thomas could play Mrs. Danvers again, and she is. I think she wasn't she voted the character wasn't that character voted one of the great uh, villains of all time. <laughs> Probably that sounds right. Mrs. Denver's. So uh, uh, it's plot, and mm-hmm. uh, there's not much spark to it. it's beautiful looking. But uh, I think again, it proves that sometimes you should let a classic be a classic and leave it alone. So, Lou, what are you watching these days? You still watching Lily in Paris? Ah, uh, yes. Well, we we finished it all up, and uh, <laughs> we actually enjoyed it, and we're looking forward to, I guess, season two. Has that been confirmed yet, uh, Jen? That they're going to do another one or not? It has not been confirmed yet. If it were up to Jen, <laughs> <laughs> what would the answer be? I would watch another season of that. Oh, if only you? for the if only for the chef. <laughs> <laughs> the chef. The other things we've been watching, we watched the board. At film. And yeah, I, what'd you think? And, you know, I was listening to you and Jen Banner about it, and I gotta wonder if a lot of it is so much staged that, that because, that, you know, like guy going into the store to buy different things, and, and he knows there's a camera on him, but they're acting yeah. like, you know, I, I don't know, I, I can't figure that one out for the life of me. And, and uh, that's, you know, that's, you know, and, and the guy I knew who was in the first one, I mean, he goes into intricate detail of what they put him through uh, before they bring Borat in and the camera. Right. Uh, so I, this goes back to uh, documentaries over the years. As soon as you bring a camera into the room, it changes the dynamic. It does, although the way that Sasha Baron Cohen used to do it when Ali G started and also the Showtime series that he did recently is it was set up as it was supposed to be an interview. So the fact that there was a camera there would not have been unusual, which right. in, in the case of this movie was not quite what was happening. And I think that was what was so jarring about it. And that is the situation of the Rudy Giuliani right. event. So I, I enjoyed part the, of it anyway. I, I enjoyed yeah. parts of the Borat the Borat film and uh, the undoing that you guys were talking about a little bit before. I'm definitely wrapped up into that one. Cannot wait. Uh, Are they, you into that? They're five episodes or six. So five. they're five. Yeah, I've uh, I've got my thoughts as to to what's going on there, but I will save them. I don't want to do any spoiling or. Otherwise. Oh, tell me later. I'll tell you if you're correct. <laughs> you will out of the podcast. You'll tell me. Yeah, I will. <laughs> It's a oh, deal. Well. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, we're getting ready for Halloween, but uh, first, I think we should take a break for Lou to tell us all about how... I, do I hear the hound of the Baskervilles? No, you're actually hearing the sounds of what we're going to be doing for Halloween Day on Hound Radio. Check this out. For Halloween, Hound Radio is channeling our inner wolf. I got a popcorn ball. I got a fetch bar. I got a pack of gum. I got a rock. And you'll be getting the sweetest treat of all. Your favorite hound Halloween hits all Halloween long. Happy Halloween! From the scariest station on the internet, Hound Radio. The Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Cheney, and Lou Katz comes to you from the secret underground bunker studios of the Katz Podcasting System. So now we come to Jen Cheney with favorites and flashbacks. 
Oh my, what what could we be talking about this week? This one has maybe the least suspense ever <laughs> in that I told you for the past three weeks that yes, this week I we would be talking about <laughs> the best horror movies or your favorite horror I movies from told you about this. the current decade. And I already know what your favorite is, but you know, go ahead and talk about it. Well, my favorite movie of the, of the decade and really of, of several decades is Get Out because of the way Jordan Peele, uh, you know, sort of redefined the horror movie uh, and uh, and the idea of uh, people uh, inhabiting uh, other people's bodies uh, he takes it to a whole new level and I thought it was fascinating and I loved every minute of it. Now Jen knows that my favorite Halloween movie, my favorite all time movie is the original Mummy from 1932 Death, Eternal Punishment for anyone who opens this casket. The reason I love that is because there's a subtext of reincarnation to it. The mummy comes alive and he finds his his soulmate. He finds her soul in the body of a 20th century woman. And uh, and Get Out has uh, that same sort of uh, of nod to the soul that uh, that I really like. So so there you are, Louis. <laughs> You know me in the horror movies, Arch. <laughs> I, I, I turn around and run the other direction. So there's, there's none I can You run. know, I got interested in reviewing movies seriously because as a kid, uh, Shock Theater came on in, the, in San Antonio where I grew up. And every Friday night, they would show the classic universal films. They started with Frankenstein and then Dracula, then The Mummy, The Invisible Man, The Wolfman, you know, The Big Five. Um, and uh, and that's what got me interested in movies. A lot of those movies don't pass the test of time now, but some of them, you know, still the original Wolfman uh, is still good. Who, who's that actress, Maria Ospenskaya? You familiar with her, Jen? Uh, the name is familiar, but I, I I'm more familiar with Lon Chaney for obvious reasons. Oh, Bella, Bella, he was bitten <laughs> by the wolf. <laughs> when the moon was full, <laughs> she's she's driving a wagon and she explains all about the wolf man and <laughs> hands out the uh, uh, garlic and uh, silver and whatever else you're supposed to wear to keep away from the wolf. She was uh, a great Eastern European actress who came to Hollywood. Um, so that's my story with horror films. What are you doing for Halloween? Uh, good question. We can't have trick-or-treating, so I am not sure. Louie? What are you doing for Halloween? Eating all the candy that we would normally pass out to the kids. <laughs> <laughs> now, Jen, you have younger ones. I would suspect, are they like Zoom Halloween parties or anything like that the kids seem to want to do or dress up? I mean, he's, my son is 13, so he's oh. like at the age oh, where, I mean, he still likes Halloween a lot. No, I mean, he yeah. would go trick-or-treating oh, oh. if, if they were yeah. having it. But yeah, I don't know what he's going to do. Maybe he does. He hasn't told me. That's probably the likelier scenario. <laughs> Uh, speaking of Halloween, I want to announce that we are taking next week off because of the election. I think everybody is going to be riveted by that, and uh, and they're not going to be thinking about much else. And then when we come back in two weeks, just think of how many of you will be looking for something, anything to discuss other than our uh, national election. So next week is a holiday uh, week. Every year at this time, we hear the Monster Mash. 
<laughs> oh, yeah. And, uh, what do you think? Are we sick of it or do we love it? Never get sick of the Monster Mash song. Come I've on. been sick of it for 25 years at least. <laughs> Every Halloween song is better than the Monster Mash. Every one. Really? Name a Halloween song you like better than the Monster Mash. Um, Werewolves of London, um, Bad Moon Rising, um, Scary Monsters oh. by David Bowie. Thriller? I could do this all day. Of course, Thriller is better than uh -huh. the Monster Mash. What are you talking about? <laughs> Somebody's watching me. Ghostbusters, uh, Dracula's Wedding by Outcast. Uh, Ooh, oh! There's a lot of other far better songs. I could make you like five mixtapes, and none of them would have the Monster Mash on it. So, Lewis. But anyway, go ahead and play it. Well, 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 now that we now that we know that Ed, that that the Monster Mash is the one song you do not want to ever ever hear again. I'm thinking it's most appropriate to wrap up today's podcast with the Monster Mash. Jim, <laughs> oh, happy Halloween to you and Lou. Happy Halloween, and uh, we'll see everybody in uh, two weeks. I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight. For my monster from his slab began to rise, and suddenly. To my surprise, he did the match. He did the monster match. The monster match. It was a graveyard smash. He did the match. It caught on in a flash. He did the match. He did the monster match. Wow. From my laboratory in the castle east wow. to the master bedroom where the vampires feast, wow. the ghouls all came from their humble abode wow. to get a jolt from my electrode. They did the match. They did the monster mash. The monster mash. It was a graveyard smash. They did the mash. It caught on in a flash. They did the mash. They did the monster mash. The zombies were having fun. In the, the party had just begun. In the, the guests included Wolfman, in Dracula, and his son. The scene was rocking, all were digging the sounds. Igor on chains, backed by his baying hounds. The coffin bangers were about to arrive with their vocal group, the Crypt Kicker Five. They played the match. They played the monster match. The monster match. It was a graveyard smash. They played the match. It caught on in a flash. They played the match. They played the monster match. Out from his coffin rack's voice did ring Seemed he was troubled by just one thing Opened the lid and shook his fist and said Whatever happened to my Transylvania twist? It's now the mash It's now the monster mash The monster mash And it's a graveyard smash It's now the mash It's caught on in a flash It's now the mash it's now the Monster Mash. Now everything's cool, Drax a part of the band. And my Monster Mash is the hit of the land. For you, the living, this mash was meant to. When you get to my door, tell them what is said. Then you can mash. Then you can Monster Mash. The Monster Mash. And do my graveyard smash. Then you can mash. You'll catch on in a flash. Then you can mash. Then you can Monster Mash.
This is the Cats Podcasting System.